that's when God really started to, to teach me how much he loves me and cares for me. And again, there's nothing I could do that would cause him to ever turn his back on me. Do you need a spiritual spark? Are you feeling run down or run over? Are you ready to eliminate the spiritual ups and downs? This is Fresh Faith in Real Life. Let's restore life in your walk with Christ. We'll dive into our featured guest interviews, biblical devotional thoughts, answers to your questions, and more. Your walk with Christ isn't meant to be a performance. It's all about relationship. Let's get to know Jesus and experience fresh faith in real life. Here's John Fugler. Welcome to episode number 27, and here's what's coming up. Change doesn't happen overnight. How my guest relates to Christ in a brand new way, and what it's done for his life and relationships. What God's teaching me in isolation, and turning failure into success. This is Fresh Faith in Real Life, a ministry of Fresh Faith 24-7. I'm John Fugler on a quest to know Jesus and help a million believers know him too. I'm the author of a devotional series called Your Life with God. I'm a lifelong Christian media guy, a husband, a father, grandfather of eight. And personally, I want to know Jesus more each day. Paul said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You'll find that in Philippians 3.8. I'm also the CEO of Fresh Faith 24-7. We lead you on a path to freedom in your walk with Christ. It might sound a little different because I'm not in my home studio. <laughs> I... <laughs> had a change of plans, unexpected, because, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I got COVID. <laughs> and I got it while overseas. How's that? And um, I'm, in a, I'm in a long way from home, thousands of miles away, but it's not too bad because I'm on a ministry trip and it happened to be on an island. No, not Hawaii, but still an island. So I, I'm okay. It could have gotten worse. Could have been worse. But I am here. Uh, I was tested before I was supposed to leave on the flight the next day. It came back positive. I feel pretty good now, but I wasn't feeling really great this week. It felt like a cold. So that's what I thought it was. But no, it was cold vid, I guess. And um, <laughs> so here I am. Thank you to my uh, colleague and ministry friend, Ted Siemens, who loaned me his microphone, and I'm sitting here in a hotel room where I'm quarantined, isolated uh, on this little desk, and there's a microphone sitting here, and I'm sure there's a lot of room noise and everything, but hey, that's the way it is. The show must go on, right? This week's podcast must get on, and challenges like this, I like that. I probably couldn't have done this two days ago. I wasn't really feeling well, but I'm good enough to do this, and and in my guest interview, we did that just a few minutes ago. I did it from here. So we're, we're pulling this together. We're, we're pulling this together. Um, <laughs> so more on that in a moment uh, in, in Fresh Bread. I'm hoping to get home by the time this show releases on Wednesday. That is my target, to be flying home across the ocean. Well, this week, uh, our theme... Um, I've been getting up, by the way, this ties in with the theme. I've been getting up in the mornings just in time to see the last few batters in the final inning, my favorite baseball team, because of the time difference. So it's ninth inning. It was 10th inning today. 
And it's been kind of disappointing because the Dodgers have been losing to the Phillies. In uh, Ooh, it's been tough. First two games of the series. And I'm recording this on a, on a Saturday. Uh, but and as I, I look, I, I am disappointed at the end of the game. And these guys have failed. What are they doing? Man, and, you know, baseball is an interesting game because you can fail seven out of ten times as a hitter and you're considered a success because you're a 300 hitter. (laughs) There's not too many places where you can get paid millions of dollars to fail seven out of ten times. But as I think about what it means to relate to Christ and we'll never live the perfect life, and thank you, Jesus, that you forgive us when we fail. Uh, we, we tend to, at least for me, we tend to fall into that performance. I've got to go 10 for 10. I, I rack up check marks for all the things that I do right in my walk with Jesus. I'm living right and all of that. Well, my guest that you're going to meet in a few minutes has lived most of his life performance-based, which is what I have been doing. And it affected his relationship with God, with family, with friends. But he's discovered the way out. And the way he puts it is really interesting. So you're going you're gonna to enjoy this interview. You're going to find it uh, intriguing and, and fun to listen to as well. And hopefully relatable, perhaps, to where you're at or somebody that you know. So we're going to get into that in a few minutes. As you know, knowing Christ is where I'm at. And I really believe it's the secret to life. I say life with a capital L. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever it might be, whether it's maybe it's performance, maybe it's stress or fatigue or worry or loneliness, hopelessness, discouragement, whatever it might be, or this thing called failure. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, knowing Christ is is a solution. Lean into Jesus. Get to know him more deeply. He's there for you. And my mission in life is to help a million believers know the Christ of the cross. And that's why I spend time each week writing a devotional called Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith. I just wrote the upcoming week's devotions before this podcast. Uh, I send them out three times a week, pointing you to Jesus as you start the day. And you get them in your inbox early in the morning. They take just 60 seconds or so to read through it. Uh, It's a springboard to start your day centered on Christ, not a replacement at all for your quiet time, but just a way to center on Christ to deal with those things that are robbing you of life. So sign up for Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith absolutely free at freshfaith247.com or click on the Fresh Bread uh, tab in the menu. Or you can click on the link in the show notes. Go ahead and do that. Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith. I'd love to have you a part of that. Well, we're moving into our fresh bread segment of the podcast, and I'm entitling this Wait It Out. Uh, a friend has been recommending a book to me for over a year. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I finally bought it this week and I started reading it. And as one who's always doing something, this book is already challenging me to make some lifestyle adjustments. So I bought the book. Started reading it. A day later, I came down with COVID here overseas. You don't want to get COVID overseas because it's going to take a long time for you to get back home. Maybe. I'm hoping it will only be a few days for me. And I got to thinking that, boy, God has a sense of humor. 
I've been isolating in my hotel room, away from my colleagues I was meeting with. I was here on a ministry trip, a meeting. I went to most of the meetings, but I'm away from everyone. Thankfully, there's good ordering and delivery service here in town, and I've so I'm well fed and well taken care of. Well, I guess God decided to eliminate hurry from my life. He did it himself and ruthlessly, right? And so as I sit in quarantine here, and it lasts for another three days, um, the symptoms are manageable, so that's good. You may sound like I have a cold, which that's what it feels like. And uh, I mentioned I've got the delivery service for groceries and meals. Got a refrigerator in my room. I'm on an island, okay? That in itself is part of the humor because I can't go anywhere. I'm on an island, water all around me, and I can't go anywhere. Officially, I can't go anywhere, Mm -hmm, right? Now, uh, seriously, I'm grateful that this uh, wasn't worse than it could have been. My case is, is mild compared to many who have suffered or even died. And I'm starting to turn the corner. Today was a good day. Hopefully tomorrow will be as well. But here's a couple things that have come from this. One, no wake-up alarm for the past three days. That, that was my first decision for lifestyle adjustment as I've been here. Why do I need to get up? <laughs> I've got COVID. My schedule has been cleared. There's nobody to meet with. Um, it's amazing how that one action has changed my pace in the morning. I feel more relaxed. There's freedom. My adrenaline isn't pumping. My blood pressure is probably down too, simply by the way I'm entering the day. Now, I know I'll have to go back to an alarm and I'll have to do it soon. My my flight next week on what I'm calling Freedom Day is 8 a.m. and I do not want to miss it. <laughs> so I will use an alarm. But I need to think about the benefit of not being controlled by my alarm or by my handheld device or my emails or other things that rattle my cage from morning till night. So that's one thing I've learned and I'm considering. The second thing I've learned is that I can't rush COVID. I have to wait it out. I'm just wasting my energy trying to speed it up and get it out of my system. God will use this in my life. He already has. So I'm learning, don't resist it. Rest, spend more time with the Lord, relax a little bit. I've been on the run a lot lately. And God's given me a break from life to relax and enjoy him. Rather than seeing this virus as a curse, see it as a blessing, at least in in my case here. It sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? Because uh, it has been a bad thing for many people. Now, um, I just look at it as God having... Uh, greater purposes than what my purposes might be. So God is using this. And can I ask you, is there anything that God is asking you to wait out? Uh, There's a verse in Proverbs that says, a man's mind plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. When you're up against deadlines or pack schedule, unrealistic expectations and very little margin in your life, you're fighting to survive. You know that feeling? You've got everything planned out, but you've forgotten the second half of the verse. But the Lord directs his steps. God's direction trumps our plans. That, that's the principle behind the verse. 
It's not just a little of us and some of God and together we get things done. No, it's all God. He leads the way. We follow in his timing. A man's mind plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And it could be time to put yourself in non-COVID quarantine. Some call it a time out. It's a couple days where you just retreat to get perspective again, seeking God for his direction. You may have to make some lifestyle changes, some maybe eliminating commitments, adjusting your schedule, reprioritizing. That's a tough word, isn't it? And that kind of thing is a little bit different. It's, it's against the grain, but necessary for long-term health and sanity. That's something I'm looking at. We need to have the courage to be different, to live with purpose, to go against the grain, countercultural, I guess you could call it. God's purpose for our life. Kind of a reset. Well, if that sounds like you, then let's jump in this together because I've already jumped in. (laughs) I got thrown into the pool, all right? So that's your fresh bread to think about as we move into the interview segment of our show. I've known our guest for over a decade, uh, developing a deep friendship during that time. We've served side by side in missions, have been part of a a really powerful men's group too. He refers to it. Uh, We've laughed together. We've shared together. We've broken bread together. Yeah, I think we even cried a little together. Um, He's lived a life of significance in building the body of Christ. And that's, I really admire him for that. As a pastor, a church planter, Christian educator, uh, a ministry leader, and his passion for reaching the lost has always made me marvel. He never loses that passion. And the way he values people is an example to me and to the rest of us. But as he'll share, there was something missing until recently. Steve Hodgson and his wife Lori live in Florida, just down south from where my wife and I live in North Carolina, compared to where we are today, because in this interview, we're thousands of miles apart. But we connected by Zoom, me in quarantine on an island, and Steve in Florida. So let's jump in to my interview with Steve Hodgson. So Steve, uh, here we are many time zones apart. Uh, You're back in the U.S. and I'm trying to get back there. (laughs) So um, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Glad to have you. Oh, so glad to be on with you, John. Just enjoyed our journey together through life, you know, both in ministry and friendship. Oh, it's been good for this last decade getting to know you. And and as I have just seen God work in your life, I said, man, I, I would love for Steve to share his story, his journey in Christ with our listeners. So uh, just going back, you've been a longtime believer, haven't you? Tell I us sure about those have, early days. Yeah, yeah tell yeah, us about those yeah. early days. Yeah, I, uh, I was fortunate to grow up in a Christian family, uh, very involved in the church, uh, somewhat of a small family church that uh, my grandfather had helped kind of found and then actually built the church building. And so we go back a long ways. They were Sunday school teachers. And um, I met Jesus at age nine at a church camp. Um, it just it was one of those situations where um well, it's just feeling some loneliness, you know, and, and separation in, in life. And so, it, you know, the presentation happened and it was just a great opportunity. But, um, but even early then, John, you know, uh, with that heritage of growing up in a, 
in the church in that I was very competitive. We used to win these awards for Sunday, perfect Sunday school attendance. And I had nine straight years. So right up to that year of salvation, I every year was getting an annual pin and that thing just looked like, you know, a decorative Sunday school attender, you know. Well, it, it probably just, it probably almost weighted you down. You were, you it, were hunched over. <laughs> oh, you were, yeah, from the weight of those those bars and that that they added. But um no, it was it was a great blessing. I grew up with a family of uh, you know, two parents and four other siblings and um, like I say, just in the church all the time, serving people. Uh, my grandfather was a very much a storyteller and uh, loved to um, tell us stories of scripture as well. So, you know, really blessed again with that. Met the, uh, upon meeting the Lord, though, too, we, we got involved in what, local Youth for Christ ministries that were in our community. And we had a club back then and in public schools, you could have religious clubs. Mm-hmm. And so got very involved in that. And um, just have always just enjoyed being around people who want to know more about life and about who Jesus is. Well, I know that's something about you is the fact that you love to tell people about Jesus and you love to bring others along to support that kind of, that kind of ministry and that kind of work. Uh, as you, uh, recall growing up in your early days as a Christian and even, you know, the first several years, how, how was your relationship with Christ? How were you, would, how were you taught to relate to Jesus at the time? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. It's, it's been a struggle in um, that heritage of, of what I grew up and was taught and what I've come now to embrace in my later years as my relationship with Jesus um, not necessarily works. It was very grace taught. Salvation comes through grace, you know, by grace only, no works that I could do. But yet the teaching that was unfolding uh, in my spiritual journey within the church and at home was very performance type driven. It was, um, you just felt like you couldn't quite measure up to what God's standards were. We, um, heavily not looking at the Old Testament law, but in, in New Testament gospel in particular focused on Paul's writings and would just talk about the need for people to repent of their sin and to lead a purified life. And I just really struggled with how do you do that, you know, throughout those years. My um, my father was pretty much, I would say, like kind of a dualistic out, outreach of, or living out of his faith. Um, he was a man who, like I say, I sought teach the scriptures, hosted people a lot, served at the church, but yet when it came to practical applications within our household, there was always an uncertainty of were you meeting the expectations, living up to the right rules, and um, and whether you'd be disciplined for you missed the mark somehow. We weren't uh, just we recently was home with some siblings celebrating a brother-in-law passing on to glory and and I was surprised once again, two of my siblings said, yeah, boy, it was, there were times we just didn't really know what we did wrong or that we'd cross the mark. So from that heritage, that's, it took me a long time to sort through, you know, that God loves me unconditionally for who I am and irregardless of what I do. Hmm. And so that journey, uh, you know, where our early days as a Christian, how we're raised really affect it lays the foundation for our future. How did you overcome that to where you are today? And I assume that your relationship with Christ is so much further along. I've seen it, but how did you get out of that, uh, that lifestyle into the lifestyle of relationship with Jesus? 
Yeah, it, it definitely is one that's still unpacking itself and uh, more so in, in really positive ways. Um, I think for me, one of the things that when I entered into the uh, Bible college in age 18, 19, went to Bible college for two or three years and uh, gave me greater exposure to how other people express their faith or perhaps what their training had been in scripture and how God loves them. And so, you know, through that process is where I kind of felt that I really found my calling, that um, that I could understand that God really has a plan for my life and that he's the one who's orchestrating each of my steps. And so I was able to then begin that process of moving forward, um, you know, and, and understanding how he would use me. So in one of those areas where he really revealed that was I, I loved sports. Um, in high school, I had a hard time making sports teams. So I go away to a small Bible college at the Bible college. I was, you know, was small enough. You were made the team, at least set the bench as the sixth player on the basketball team or whatever. But when we were engaging in our, our journey as Christian athletes, we were often asked to speak at churches or youth events. And so um, God always rewarded me in a special way and just showed that he had a calling that, you know, yes, I was on the team, but I was always pushed to the forefront of the team when it came time to share your faith or talk to others about their faith. And so, again, it's been kind of God nudging me each hmm. each path that I've been on from the college days into, you know, my career and as husband and, and uh, father and et cetera, and then into our time working together as well. So as you, uh, you know, that sports career, which I can relate to as well, and there we go from performance into performance again. And yeah. it, it's like we can live that <clears throat> that dual life and it just floods over into our relationship with the Lord. Um, how did you overcome that? I mean, how did you move out of performance into relationship? Was it a, a several year process? You say you're kind of still working on it now, but what would you say is a turning point? Yeah, I think for me was, um, it, it was probably when I hit my age 50, um, God had just, um, shown me through some of my skills and giftedness, how he used me to develop a couple ministries to a, a point of flourishing. But in that point of flourishing, I came to a crossroads. And that crossroads became one of, um, I had a belief and a practice that, you know, church was centered, that their, you know, community is critical for personal growth. You cannot do Jesus all on your own and battle the, the wilds of the darts that Satan throws at us. So, I've always been committed to keep myself in fellowship, even if I felt that I was out of step with God or perhaps even my, my um, thoughts and, and practices even were being tempted to walk away from him. I, I just, it was like with the AA, I would just tell people, you've got to show up. You've got to show up where Christians are hanging out. You've got to be willing to expose yourself. Um, otherwise, you're not going to make it. And so you know, I kept that practice in place. Um, but as I rolled out of my fifties into from working in a Christian school environment, growing them to going into church planting, then on to global missions, that's when God really started to, to teach me how much he loves me and cares for me. And again, there's nothing I could do that would cause him to ever turn his back on me. Um, you know, and so it has been a very long process. It's, <laughs> You know, so if we look at it, I'm 68 right now, that's 18 years from when I've kind of charted the path forward. 
of wanting to be transformed to really understand how much he loves me. Mm. How do you uh, approach Jesus now differently than you used to? Yeah, so my approach now is um, one that Mark Batterson talks a lot about in his book, Whisper, and he talks about that, be still and know that I am God. And he unpacks that even to say, simply take it in, in short steps, be. What's it mean to be with God? You know, be still. What does it mean for me to sit still and to listen, to meditate, to just take a deep breath, uh, to know, be still and know? What does it mean to know God, to, to know and affirm that, again, he, how much he loves me and there's nothing I can do in performance that will gain greater love from him? And, um, and to be still and know that he is God, that um, he's unchangeable. You know, he'll never change. And, uh, and for me, again, I was so rooted in my early childhood training that though I knew all these scriptures and I, I knew those to be true, it, here it is, I'm in, moving into my 60s before I'm able to really embrace that. So, so I just make a practice every day now to get up and I do nothing for the first 30 minutes, but just sit in silence and just wait to hear the whisper of God, as, as Mark would say out of his book, The Whisperer. Um, and then with that, you know, just God, that first Samuel, you know, a passage where Samuel heard the voice of God calling him. It took that third call before Samuel recognized it wasn't Eli calling him, but, but God. And so to just say, Lord, here, here I am, your servant, you know, I'm just waiting for you to use me. So, so that's what I'm really focusing on right now, John, in the last uh, two and a half to three years in particular is practicing that. Oh, that's exciting. That really is. And I know you're, I mean, you're a self-starter. You're a doer. Uh, you mentioned church planting, uh, you've been pastoring, you've been uh, in a number of businesses, ministry leadership positions. Um, and so this has to be a little bit different for you because it's not really you getting out in front and leading the charge, but it's, you said to be still, be still. That just seems so counterproductive, doesn't it, to us guys? It, it, it really does. Yeah. And, um, and I just finished taking a spiritual giftedness inventory again, and uh, it came out as it has for several years. But as I looked at that, um, what does that mean to be a servant and just be available to come alongside of people? And, and I was just reminded again that that's how God's wired me. But yet there's this tension that's been in me. Um, even the last couple of years been pondering, okay, Lord, do I stay in vocational ministry the way I am? Or something keeps tapping at my heart saying, no, you should probably just jump back into the business world. You know, and not for the sake of money, but because you like motivating people and encouraging people and watching them grow in their in their giftedness, you know, so you should, you should just go do that. Go out to the secular world again, where, where, yeah, the wolves are waiting to eat you up and, and test your faith, you know? Uh, but then I come back to what has he really wired me to do and created me for the purpose of, and, and uh, need to remain faithful, you know, in, in that. So. Hmm. How has uh, this approach to your relationship with God affected your life, and especially your other relationships uh, with your wife, your kids, your grandkids. You got a pretty, pretty big family to there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, um, you know, it's, it's caused me to reflect and realize that um, 
I spent a lot of years with, with providing and protecting them, not so much from the spiritual side of um, growing in wisdom and, and availability, but more so on the practical sides of life, which, again, I would say to anyone out there age 20 to age 50, you're just in the grind of life trying to put all the pieces together. I don't care what vocation you're in. But in that journey, I have to say that often my heart in particular wasn't centered on cherishing the gift God gave me in my wife. Um, I just now am able to, to begin to slow down, look back and see that giftedness, what she's meant to our family. Um, to watch my kids who've launched with their children now and be engaged in churches and uh, doing some of the family traditions, which really center around honoring who God is. It's just, you know, rewarding to see that. So even in the midst of all of our, um, our struggles or those times we feel maybe we're not quite on the path God would have us to be on at the level we would desire, again, back to that performance, I'm finding I'm seeing greater fruit the more I'm willing to, to not measure it by any level of performance, but just a level of basking in who God is and how much he loves my children, grandchildren, and my household. Mm. We're a work in progress, aren't we? <laughs> we are. Huge work. We try to fix it ourselves. Fix ourselves. We can't do that. Um, as uh, I've got to ask you this question, you and I served together pretty closely for a few years in ministry and uh, in the same office. And I watched over a period of time, you were working on the weekends, you're working in the evenings and just, and this was valuable work for the kingdom. I mean, this is ministry work. And, and yet I saw a shift in your life where going home uh, became more of a priority than staying there. Can, can you open up that world to us in that season? Yeah, that's, boy, that's a really good, good comment you're making. And it was through, um, I think through the prayers and power of prayers of people like yourself and a couple other friends I had at that particular ministry who um, constantly nudged me in a very gracious way by not saying, what are you doing staying late at night? But just simple comments like, hey, I drove by the office and seven o'clock and your light was still on. And of course, my comment would be, well, I have nothing at home. My dogs have my dogs have all passed away. My children are out of the house. My wife works remote. She, you know, Lori's a flight attendant at that time before retiring. And so, you know, I had this weird work ethic said, well, she's gone. So if I'm home, I'm just by myself doing nothing, you know, rather than seizing that time of just refreshing and relaxing, you know, in the evening hours saying, God, you know, you own it all, you know, it all belongs to you. How, again, you know, speak to me, here's your servant. How do you want to use me? Maybe I should be, you know, dining, having coffee with a neighbor in the evening if Lori's away working rather than staying here. But um, but yeah, it it was hard. Same thing when I was in Christian school movement and, and developing a church, I had those same weird, weird beliefs of um, I'm kind of by myself. I have time to really focus and concentrate. No one's here to bother me. So this is great, valuable use of my ministry time, which I would say now wrong. <laughs> that, that's not the way to do life. You know, well, so. When you made the change, though, uh, you gradually got out of that type of um, work rhythm. What did it do for you? 
Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's um, I've been able to sleep better at night um, and actually made began to I think that was one of the pivotal changes. I, I began to make a commitment that I will sleep at least six hours a night because I was on a pattern of only four hours a night for so many years that just I, I, I would just think work throughout the, the, those four hours sleeping. I would you know, wake up going, I've got to get up and just start doing what I've been thinking of. You know, and even if I wrote it down, it's like, I, I've got to go do this. And, and again, my love language um, is, is, you know, words of affirmation, fill my tank. You know, you can, you can buy me cheap with good words of affirmation. So <laughs> it took me a long time to realize that, that, you know, wow, you know, why don't I go home? because no one's there speaking affirmation into me. If I stay at work till seven at night, plow through some new strategies on how to raise more money, reach more people, it's all right, good for the kingdom, somebody's gonna notice it. I mean, and honestly, John, it wasn't until probably in the last year and a half that I, I was able to process that, to say, Steve, that was, you never admitted to yourself, your driving force was you, you did that because you wanted people the next day at work to, not to chastise you for being there at seven, but say so, but I see the outcomes are good, you know? So, wow. Wow. yeah. Well, this is a real transformation then to where you are right now. You get up for a half hour and just sit with the Lord. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what do you see happening in your life? What are some of the rich experiences that you've had with, with Jesus doing that? Yeah, I think for, uh, in particular, as Lori has retired as of a year ago this month, um, and I see her practicing very similar, but, and to my embarrassment, she's been practicing that for years, even when she was on the road as a flight attendant, um, just admire the gal's commitment in that way. But, um, you know, what it's really transformed for us is huge relationships. We, we relocated to Florida just not quite a year ago, 10 months ago. And the relationships we have within our community of believers at church and then our little community of 140 households on the street we live, um, it's just been incredible. It's, we have friendships as if we'd known these people for four or five years. We, um, you know, God granted us opportunity to go over to UAE for uh, 20 some days in March of this year. And the neighbors threw a going away party because we're going to be gone for that time plus a little <laughs> bit more seeing kids. We're going to be gone 34 days. And they're like, well, we need to have a party before you leave or one when you come back too, which they did. And it's like, we're just, you know, so we're seeing, I guess, Lori and I relationally, we're seeing how God just is using us to just, you know, speak to other people. We don't even know how we, we've looked at each other and said, boy, we wish we could write a book on how to rear your children in the way of the Lord and how to build friendships and community. And we said, we just, our, our mantra is just show up, show up and be ready. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah. So just that peace that passes all understanding that I'm beginning to experience is just mm. a really, really fun time. God's using you in the lives of people around you. You're always one who's looking for ways that you can meet a need and, and pour into somebody. So that's, that's Nate. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then I think, um, you and I journey, too with you know we did uh the every man a warrior yeah that's been fantastic men that was fantastic i'm i i showed up here um july 30th in florida and by august 8th I, i'm plugged into a small group called radical mentoring of which i don't know i got hooked linked into it but that again has really propelled me forward in this journey of uh 
not being performance driven, but being available. It just has been transformational. Hey, speak uh, to the person who is maybe where you are at and the whole performance side of things or works towards relationship with Jesus. And now uh, they're looking for freedom from that. I mean, I got my own story, but you have your own story. What advice would you share for that person? Yeah, I think um, for that person, I would say, first and foremost, um, be transparent with yourself. Um, I think for me, what broke the chain of that bondage was when I was willing to uh, look at the thread, the positive and negative that was woven into my life, how I felt called by God to do the ministry I was doing, seeming successful in that, but having some inner personal struggles, you know, away from that journey. And um, I had to be honest to say, okay, it's, it's okay for me to, to identify and call certain wounds of the past hurts. I no longer have to say, oh, well, they, that person just didn't know better um, because that's what I was living with the whole time and then performing even more. You know, well, that person didn't know better, didn't quite recognize the value I was bringing. So I'll prove it to the next leader, you know, and then it, also in my personal journey with, with my spouse, which is to, to always have her feeling as if I was feeling shunned or out of step. So I, I had to become transparent with myself and call things as they are. You know, it's okay to be hurt and wounded and it's okay to put it behind. And it's okay at times to say, no, they should have known better. And I forgive them for what they've done. So um, I, I think that's reality that drives a lot of us in performance. I don't think, I don't think a lot of our performance is driven by positive experience that, you know, my dad was an extreme salesperson, a successful guy making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Therefore, I wanted to become like him. It's usually something drives us out of a negative influence. It says, okay, I'm going to prove something to someone. At least that was my case. Hmm. I had to start identifying who was I proving stuff to because God, God accepts me. He wants all my junk, accepts me for who I am. I don't have to prove anything to him other than that I'm, I'm a sinner and I need to confess that. So... Oh, well, that's transparent with us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's the only way to live for me, you know. Well, I, I appreciate know. you opening just, up, and uh, yeah. I, I think listeners can can benefit from that. God bless you as you continue this journey and enjoy those first thirty minutes of the day. Sounds like they set the pace for you for the entire day. It is. It is, John. Thanks so much for what you're doing with Fresh Faith to twenty four seven. I think it's a very much needed podcast and an opportunity for people to, to just get a, a glimpse of other people's journeys. Good counsel from a man who has walked with God for many years and is still learning. Steve Hodgson, thank you for joining us on Fresh Faith in Real Life. And as I think about that interview, and one of the things, it's a thread that's going through with a few of the guests I'm talking with, and that is really carving out time for the Lord and slowing down, really having some get-to-know-you time with Jesus. And I, I believe we need to do that. We really do, having a retreat with God. And here I am, a forced retreat with God, which is great because I needed it. <laughs> and we shouldn't be forced to do that, though. We should want to do it. And it doesn't have to be a weekend, but as Steve talked 
about the 30 minutes to start the day. That sets the pace. It, it lays the foundation for his day. So I hope and pray that you'll engage with Jesus like that as well and discover what he has to say to you, what he has to teach you. And man, that is a big part of get, getting to know Jesus. Well, that's it for this episode. If you have a question, uh, if you have a comment on this show, then go ahead and send it to me, John, at freshfaith247.com. I'll also have a link in the show notes. Well, I am hoping and praying I will be back home in my, my home studio next week for the recording of next week's show. Until then, thanks for your prayers, and let me know if I can be praying for you as well. God bless you. Talk to you next week.